the rose that grew from concrete, your soul speaks, setting the tone for the marching feet. Your story speaks through me and this sacred space, setting the pace for our ancestors' never-ending race. So listen up and open your heart. The stories of the silence to fill the room from the ground up. These words are for you, a reminder that it's all love. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of It's All Love. It's your girl Lala, and I'm here to break it down. So turn your speakers up, put your earphones in, all that, because it's about to get real. Hello, my kings and queens. We are back today with an extremely important topic for me and my people. We are going to be talking about image and representation in the black community. Right. This is such an important topic. Like we on a roll here. <laughs> Joining to me today is a very, very special guest. I also met this gentleman at the AT&T Revolt Summit, my last guest that I had on my most um, recent episode. I also met her at the AT&T Revolt Summit. I don't think y'all understand how awesome that that, that summit was. <laughs> it was like. It was so cool. So let me just introduce him. His name is Jabari Ajao. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Jabari Ajao. All right. Awesome. And he is an all-around talented man with a plan to heal the world. Go ahead and tell everybody about yourself and what you represent, King. Oh, hey, Lala. Thank you for having me on today. Uh, No problem. Again, yeah, my name is Jabari Ajao. I'm a young brother. I'm an actor. I'm a writer. I'm an actor. I just said that I'm a musician, a rap. Um, I'm just all around creative. I'm also a father and a son. Um, uh, And I'm uh, an important person to just certain people in my actual, like, my actual personal life. Right. Awesome. Um, So the reason why I I brought this gentleman on to today's episode, specifically about image and representation in the black community, is because um, I'm I'm a woman of color. He's a man of color. And I know we've talked a little bit in the past about, you know, um, African history and just knowing information about our people. And I just I love the information that he gave me that. I just thought that it would be so important for you guys to hear what he has to say as well. But before we get into the topic, I just want to I just want to get to know you just a little bit more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, on your Instagram, right? Do you have another another um personnel, I would say, and his name is Solomon the rapper, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Right, right, right. Tell me, tell me about Solomon. What about him? What made you um, pick that name? The name, the name for Solomon. Uh, Solomon is is what I rap by, um, and it came originally. You know, I have a long history with uh, the Bible, you know, and Bible stories, mm-hmm. and uh, the story of Solomon was interesting to me for the fact that one, he asked for wisdom more than anything. You know, when he could have asked for riches or whatever and by asking for wisdom, he got other things as well. So he just seemed to be a dope king. You know, he was a son of David who has an interest in life. And um, additionally, he has struggles with uh, with love. Um, 
he, he the story said he was caught up with many women and so you know just parts of my life which we can get into um soon it made me pick that name when i had to pick a name because i wanted to represent uh these parts these right. parts of myself and also kind of how i want to be a representation for others and it just has to be that i want to spit knowledge but also have parts of myself that i want to not hide from those things Right, right, right. The the vulnerability. Sure. I know I know it's hard not only as being a black man, but being a man in general. Being vulnerable is can be seen as a sign of weakness. I know that for a fact that I am the only girl of six kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have five brothers. Sure. And I know I've had my fair share with experiencing men who did not want to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And just by your by your title, by the name that you chose it not only shows that you are you are open to to um, you're open for interpretation for people to to interpret you the way that that your name what your name represents which like you said he was a lover he was a son he was a father he was a brother he was all these different things and which embodies you and I I like that I like that hey, <laughs> thanks you want you want to pick my stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got her temple. That's nice. I know, I know. I like her temple yeah. too. I picked that. You know what I'm saying? That's me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so, as an entertainer, a rapper, and a creative, is it hard to portray the intended image? So, you know, the image that that, that Sullivan represents. Is it hard to portray that image to um, the people around you, like your family, your friends, and colleagues? Are people quick to assume that because you're a rapper that you can't be vulnerable or that you can't represent the person that you want to represent? Hmm. That's a good question. I'd say the, the intended image for uh, my creative pursuits is, it's honestly myself. Got it. So, Mm -hmm. but that's not just, I mean, I I don't know, like for you, I think that I I can't speak on you, but I do, I do know you to be a, a, you you come off as very confident and uh and all that i also know that i probably do as well but i also have questions and i also have parts of myself that i still unpack that i'm still trying to understand more and and i'm right. i'm pretty sure that, that a lot of people can resonate with that you and i included so um what i do try to portray is myself at the same time what i'm saying is that doesn't mean that it's always easy you know yeah. um when it comes to family friends colleagues well, that's three whole different sets of cans of worms. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can adjust each can as you want to. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, we live in... I mean, address. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We live in a social media uh, age. Right. And with social media, uh, we have the opportunity to, to, to show something to the world, you know? To show, like, I guess uh, I would say almost a TV show. So, you know, anybody can tune in. And because of that... Right. All I can do is do my best to share my authentic show, self. And that that, yeah. that requires just like, I got to get past shame. I got to get past insecurity. I just got to, if I'm going to put it out there, I got to put it out there. You know, maybe certain people will tell me what they think about it and like it or not. But another thing, and the last thing I'll say in this part of this question is that this is all me building up in my life. You know what I mean? Like, this is all me building up um, 
the more things I do in, in terms of creativity and all that. So I'm just letting it, I'm just letting it go. I'm just letting it be there and people can uh, interpret it as they, as they do. And I'll take it, you know, whether a win or a failure, I'm taking it all to the drawing board to see, okay, where do we go from here? Right. Which, which I commend you for. I, I, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I also, I sing and mm. I love to sing, but I don't sing because I'm scared. Mm. <laughs> my, my grandmother, she was a singer of the family and nobody, nobody dared step in her footsteps because she could carry a note and she can carry that thing all the way to Jesus. <laughs> like she did, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I, I, I always told myself, you know, I'm going to sing for her before she passes. I mean, she had cancer. So we, you know, it was kind of like a timeline, you know, we already knew. And I just told myself I was going to do it. I was going to do it, but I never got the chance to do it. And so now that she passed and now there's no one, nobody sings, nobody, nobody sings anything. And, um, around the family. I love, I love to sing. And I, I just have this, you know, this hesitation and you got this confidence to where you're just like, I'm going to put myself out there. And if people go and listen and they're going to listen and whatever they're going to listen is what I intended for them to listen to. And, and it is what it is. Fail or win. I got this, you got this. So I'm just now recently starting to get into okay. that, into that, to that mindset, but boy, I'm scared. Uh, uh, <laughs> I hear you. I'm Girl, I just I don't know. I feel like I, I don't I would never be able to live up to her footsteps, like like the notes that she could pull off, the stuff that she could pull off. Like, what if I choose to sing in front of my family and they're like, "Ooh, girl, hush!" Mm. Like, there's a reason why you wasn't singing. Like, you know what I'm saying? I know I don't sound bad. I know I got talent, but it's just like I don't know. I'm, I can't sing like her. We've been singing for over thirty years, so it's just like you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a it's a big shoes to fill. So, I I applaud you for your passion and for your confidence to live in your passion and to live in your truth. So with that, like what inspires your content and your song choice? Cause I, I know I've, I've reposted and I've, I've looked at a lot of your videos on Solomon, the rapper of your song choice and, and the covers that you do, which are very good, by the way, it's pretty good. You can hold a note, boy. Thank you. You <laughs> you pretty good, man. Um, so what what inspires your song choice and, and the, the lyrics that you create? Um well I'm inspired by love. I'm a, I'm okay. inspired by love, especially when it comes to singing. And uh <laughs> and that could be that could be happy or that could be sad. Right, 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 right. Because um, singing is a, is a, is a, to me it's a very sensual act. Okay. Like, okay. It's it's very you're in it. For me, I would say I don't know about everybody, but to me, when I sing, it's in tune with my energy and with my chakras. I have to be in line for me to be able to portray the the actual notes and the actual the actual sound that I want. I hear you. People to you know. I mean, you know what that's what I set out to learn how to do it because yeah. Uh, because it's um, that and other arts as well. I feel like if you learn certain arts, you learn more about yourself and you kind of unlock bits of yourself that may have been, you know, hidden through time or trauma or just other things. So, right. yeah, I do agree that singing, it unlocks a part of myself that, you know, I had to keep down for whatever reason. I have to still figure out what it is. 
Um, right, right, right. But um, but thank you. Yeah. So singing, um, it's it's usually about those things and the rapping. Um, rapping has a few places it can go. Um, sometimes it can also be on a love tip. You know, um, I I do my best to try not try not to let it get into a from love to lust. I try not to. Right. Um, but that's just that's just because you know you can. It's easy to just make those other songs or whatnot. Right, right, right. But then, you, mm-hmm. but then rapping also goes into anger and darkness, and I, I would even say black anger. Oh wow! Really? Okay. So would you say that that is a, a genre? Wow! Wow! You know, <laughs> I guess yeah. If I if I had to say uh, parts. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey, that's very interesting because I would have never, I would have never guessed that. I'm a, I'm a poet. I love to write poems and stuff like that. And there are times when the poems can take a dark turn. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't really have a dark genre. Mm-hmm. I would say mm-hmm. that. Um, so usually I usually bring it back. And if I am rapping, it's usually on some funny stuff. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I, I usually like to laugh a lot mm-hmm. and create jokes with my poems or very serious. Um, it's either they're very serious, very funny, or super lovey or super sad. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So can you can you that's very interesting to me. Like like I had no idea. So can you can you go into detail on that on that experience for you in your in the creative process of you creating um you said what was the name of it again? You said it was dark I said um, there's black anger. Black anger, there we go. Uh, okay can you go into detail for me about that that's so interesting to me go ahead go ahead okay um i can give you a snippet and then talk about it yeah go ahead oh that's even better okay. here we go <laughs> searching for the answer y'all gonna have to see me asking the question which bitch should my life invest in it's hard out here for a nigga like me worry about brandon since i was three be a nigga on the inside outside be neat because the goal is survive in the suburb streets without being shot down when they see me in town and the fact i'm posting this means i'm letting y'all down but i got many friends who can't be themselves because they think that there's a market for the way that they felt tell me holla if you hear me so angry i belt i think my mom killed the revolution every belt to keep me alive so that I can thrive, cause in a broken system, only way to survive is twisted. So I enlisted in the war with myself, such a misfit. I ain't asked for this, please tell me who had me drafted. They laughing at me while I hold myself captive. The capitalist be telling the nigga quiet. We can make so much money if you go on a diet. Oh boy, you got bars. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> That was that was really good. Okay, okay. I think I might have misinterpreted what you meant when you said black anger. You mean black anger as you being a black man and being angry. Mm, there's there's a few ways and okay. that was one poem. Um Got it. I got it. So Right, right, right. So go into detail about that about what you just what you just read for us right now cuz that was that was amazing. Oh, thank you. So That was really thank good. Thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. This one right here yeah, no was um you see, when I when I said that I have genres, including singing, and then I have rap, which could be love, and then it can be rap, which can get darkness and anger. I don't usually right. I don't usually show the darkness and anger part. Um, okay. Part of the reason is, for one, like the beginning of my bar, I said the word bitch, and then I said the word nigga a lot, 
and yeah. I don't usually do that in my real life. Yeah. Um, or in art. And um you could say that's based on how I was raised. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm talking about in here. I said I think my mama killed the revolution every belt. You know, um uh, there's some lines in here where there's there's be be a nigga on the inside, outside be neat. There's parts of me um where I, I I feel like I'm I was raised to be very successful in this in this world, but also in this system. And but right. it's a it's a it's a crooked, broken system. And it's right. almost like I have to it's like I'm taught a common sense that's really uncommon. Like a common sense that's really right uh, on something that's, you know, not right. And so I can do it. I can do the thing where, you know, I keep my emotions to myself and I can I can be in a corporate lifestyle I mean you can look me up online other ways you know LinkedIn or whatever it's probably easy to see you know what I do other things I do for a living you know what I'm saying but um it's like I can do those things but then this artist in me there's a there's another side of me that on the inside wants to say some other stuff so that's just that's one example of it right 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 and I, I I definitely can attest to that. I think a lot of people of color who are looking to to who notices the system because there's there's there branches off a whole a whole another bound of conversation, which I don't want to dismiss your content because your creative content that you just expressed to us was a one. It was amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, but it does branch out a whole nother topic that I wanted to 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 touch bases with you is that there are there are certain groups of oppressed people of color, and there are those who are blind and oblivious to the fact that they are oppressed, and there are others who have taken the time to look up and realize, oh snap, we free, but we still in a system, we still in a bubble, we still in a prison right now. What can we do to be able to blend in and get out of the system or blend into the system? And I feel as though as a person of color, a lot, I know a a lot of people that I know have experienced that to where it's like we still have these creative genes. I don't think we can help it. I just (laughs) think as being born of color, we have so much talent. We have so much trauma that is because I don't know if a lot of people know this, but trauma is hereditary. It can get passed down um, from generation to generation to generation. You're just born with all with your ancestors' trauma. You, it, it's hereditary. It's something that, that you could be born with understanding or going through. Not necessarily going through the same experience, but it could be genetically passed down. And so as it being something that we all have experienced, I know a lot of people around me who have had to play both sides, you know, have the, have the college degree, but also write poems on their free during their free time, also a dancer with their free time, also a singer in their free time, also a painter, a, a political um, speaker, a motivational speaker, all these different things with their free time, but you still got to put on this suit and tie and convince these people that you're not dangerous. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I definitely can attest to that and can appreciate that comment that you just made, which 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 guides me into our next our next segment that I wanted to bring up with you, um, which is um, the Queen It's Slim movie. Ooh. Yes, 
Oh my goodness, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. We recently just watched the movie. I apologize if you have not seen the movie. I do not want to give any spoilers, but I'm but we will. so <laughs> cuz I'm sorry you talking to you listening to two people that watched the movie already and I want to talk to him about the movie. So if you haven't seen it, please take the time to maybe fast forward through this little 20 minutes that we probably about to go into detail about this but if not you don't mind the spoilers go ahead and listen in because i'm sure it'll be a great conversation so in regards to the movie first of all let me just yeah because Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that was a statement Mm -hmm. that was that was an extreme a very 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 big statement Mm -hmm. and i wanted to ask you what do you think that that movie does and what it means for our community what do, what do you think that that just did what did it just do <laughs> Metal, oh my gosh right uh, it made a lot of men and women cry i cried yeah <laughs> i cried and, and crying in, in so many ways um I, I believe that the movie man it was Understanding and validation. I think, oh. I I think, yeah, just in a way I've never seen on film before. Like, if that would have really happened, which it has in certain ways, you know. Well, here's the thing: if that would have really happened, like actually, like Queen and Slim doing what the, what happened, right? Which which it can. Yeah, I want to yeah, make that yeah, a very yeah. bright reality yeah. for any person of color. Yeah. This is a a real ass, yeah. a real ass reality that can yeah. happen at any goddamn yeah. moment, any moment. Yeah, and I mean, I, I mean, shoot. Let me just first of all just talk about history for one second. You got you yeah. got M U M I A. I don't know how to say his name right. Mumia, Mumia Ali. Um, mm-hmm. he, he was from Philly. Um, his his brother was about to get basically killed by a cop, and he allegedly killed the cop and um for his brother and uh, cuz he saw it from like down the street and he's in jail still to this day um but that's just one of many examples of things in which um yeah like what would I, what will you do you know what i mean like right. and and i can get into that we can get into that but to get back to your question or whatnot um yeah, yeah the, the thing queen of slim that could happen and one thing that's very important to me is how they portrayed the whole movie, but then also actually after the ending events, what like yeah. how they showed what the community did after the ending events, that was right. what was so powerful to me as well because it just yeah. showed how, I mean, I guess it, they become immortal, and yeah. and the, and it honestly kind of shows me, it was so powerful because it continues to show me how powerful we are in a sense that we just don't die. And I think it, it right. frustrates some people, but we just can't. It, there's something beautiful about us that just won't. That just will survive. They will survive, even even those. Because if they, if you really look on it, even those who have who have who have succumbed being victimized through police brutality, um, all those who have, who have passed away due to police violence and killing you know the police officers killing them they still have lived on and 
Like, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? They become immortal. Yeah. We all know their names. We all had see their faces everywhere. Social media. Like, there's no getting away from it. So I, I what I really enjoyed about the movie is that they made, the way that they wrote the movie, the way that they structured the movie, they wrote it, to me, like a conversation. And, and they touched on every point that I could think of, almost every point mm-hmm. that I can think of that would be a, a clapback that somebody would say, oh, 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 if they, if they get away with this, then black people are going to think that it's cool to kill cops. Or mm-hmm. if this happens, then, then there's going to be a riot, and then there's going to be this, and there's going to be that. They touched on every, 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 every standpoint. Now, I, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, I'm sorry, but um, I just want to let you know, <laughs> this is a question that I had asked my partner mm-hmm. and and his brother, I asked them this question, and I, I want to ask you this question too. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked them. I said, um, "What did they say? What did they say?" They said, "This is what they said." They said, "I don't understand why Junior, the little boy, mm-hmm. shot the black cop in the face. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. They didn't understand why it was a black cop." Mm-hmm. And I said, "This is my response." Actually, you know what? Let's hear your response first. Why do you think? Or do you not think? What is your take on, on them choosing a black cop? Okay, so uh, it, there's levels to it, and I would ha- I would right. have to say that when I when I first saw that part, when I in the in the live in the moment, I was like, yeah. "What they doing?" You know, I was right. like, you know, but then I had to then I myself answered myself, and I was like, "Art." They're doing art because what they're doing is, first of all, stuff. Th- this movie put everything in the center. Right. You know, I had to, because let me just tell you what I had to question against. I had to say, I had to say, man, is this one of those things where, like, this is a Hollywood movie and then they're just going to put something subliminal that's just bad? And I had to say, no, let me not be scared like that or think that they're doing something. No, I think that there's this reality in many ways. I mean, because it's art, so it's art. So by being art, it means that it's not just I got to take away my judgment of good and bad. And I have to just see it as what is. And like all across the board is what is. So now there's themes of of what? There's themes of the fact that a kid can be down for the cause, but also a kid can get radicalized. Even us, even ours. And then there's also the fact that, you know, the the cops, he's he's a brother, but then also he's an agent of the same system and it's just it's just so much in there and i can't even really judge it i just have to let it rock and for me i have to let it rock and have to just live with that but how do you feel about it what i my my take on it and what i told them and tried to explain to them was i feel like it was necessary for them to use a black cop okay and i the, the reason why i say this was because it was a very important moment where they needed they needed the audience to know that this is what will happen. This is exactly what will happen. Mm-hmm. If two black people shot a cop and now they're on the run, there will be riots. There will be black people standing up for those black people, period, because this is a revolution. Mm-hmm. We, are, we have started a revolution. And I had to think about it. I said, if, if I was a child or... If I was in that stamp standpoint as a as a black adult, who would be the only person that would be able to come and give me the calm down? 
How could this? How can we neutralize the situation? If that was a white cop that walked up to that little boy, like, bruh, that would not have gone well at all. You're the reason why I'm already on defense. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's like bringing. That's like bringing. A, the the person that I that I dislike the most to my face to tell me to calm down. I'm not gonna calm down because I don't like him. You know what I'm saying? This person is not gonna get me to calm down. It's not gonna work. That black man, that black cop, came up to that boy and asked the boy. He said, "Bro, go home." He he showed vulnerability. He said, "You know what? Let me take off my helmet and tell you, hey, calm down." He was the only person that could do that mm-hmm. as him being a black man, as, as him being able to play both sides of the fence. He knew that, hey, bro, this ain't going to end well for you. And I know that because I'm on this side, but I'm also on that side and I support you and I support what you're doing. And I don't want you to die because of this cause. So I think that you should go home. I think the reason why the boy shot him in the face is because what 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 happens to 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 a to an animal that you keep locked up in a cage, you back up an animal against a wall. That animal's gonna go rapid. The, the <laughs> animal's gonna it's gonna go off. It's gonna go wild. It's gonna go crazy. It don't matter who the fuck you are. The damage is already done. So I think that that's why he shot bro in the face. I don't even think that he wanted to shoot dude in the face. But it was such an important moment in history. It was such yeah. a crazy movement. It's a riot. This is a revolution. People are going to die. People are going to go to the extremes. The boy was already ready to kill. He was already ready. That's why he had the gun. It had to be a brother that he shot, but it couldn't have been anybody else. Just to Can show I... us. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no. You finished off. No, okay, yeah. For sure. Okay. It couldn't, yeah. I, I believe that it couldn't have been anybody else for, to get those words across. Yeah. For him to be able to say those words. Hey, bro, go home. Because if it was a white cop that said, hey, bro, Go home. I don't want to kill you. He's going to be like, what you mean you don't want to kill me? Yeah. And pulled his gun out and been like, bruh, nah, I'm about to kill you. I'm about to be just like them. Yeah. I'm about to kill another white cop. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So they had to bring that black dude in to try to calm him down. You're right. That's I think, what I think. I think. I think that's right because it helps me understand it more. And yeah. I, I would say, yeah, because there's levels to it. Because now, because when he killed him... Like, yeah. like, here's the thing. Yeah, I hear what you're saying about animal in the cage. But the beautiful thing about that part is that I yeah. still don't see Junior as an animal. And the I cop didn't either. Yeah. The cop didn't either yeah. because of who he was. Cause it was so it was, man, there's levels. It's showing yeah. that, that how we can understand each other and how we wish we could be understood. Right, you right. You know, like, like Junior literally just killed a man in the face. But and they they killed him. They killed Junior for doing uh, yeah. that. They didn't even try to take him into custody and put him in jail for the rest of his life. They didn't try to do any of that. They killed that little boy. But that but I didn't see him as anything other than a little boy. I still feel yeah. sorry for him and, right. and the cop himself. And the cop, right? I when felt, the when I the gun like, was pulled, oh. he's like, "Son, what, son?" You know. Right. And so that's loving for me. And it's just yeah. it's just the way that we wish we could be portrayed. And that's. That's um. That's why I love the movie because even yeah. when even when they got you know taken out, which makes no sense. Yeah. Um, Wait, what part of it doesn't make any sense? Let's get, let's talk about it because I I love talking about this. Because I mean, <laughs> you saw what she did that the the lady cop who shot her. 
Yeah, that didn't make no damn sense. Like she just clearly turned, that was foul play. I don't you know what I don't get either? I don't get the yeah. whole get on the ground thing ever. I just don't yeah. get it. Like even when I see it in videos in real life and shit, I don't Because they wanna di- dismantle they wanna disable yes. you. Yes. They and want I... you to be able to be if you if you look at every police incident. Yeah. Police officers have to have control yeah. over the entire situation. They have to maintain control over the entire situation, which is why old dude was like, turn your music down. He's like, yeah. for what, bro? Like, my music has nothing to do. My music ain't even loud, first of all. It wasn't even loud. It wasn't loud. It was like at a whisper level. And he was like, turn it off. And it's like, bro, my music has nothing to do with the fact that you're pulling me over. Like, you're pulling me over because I kind of swerved and because I failed to signal a lane. Why do I need to get out the car? And then, then did you peep? He didn't even log in dude information. Yeah, yeah. He said, uh, drunk driver. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, got out the car, yeah. And got out the car and was like, Brett, you didn't even log in his information. Like, all you did was take his stuff down. And then when he was like, Brett, can you hurry up? Like, yeah. that's the part that makes me so angry. The part that that, that that sparked confusion in my brain every time I see another viral video, every time I watch a movie that is involved with cops, it's like, what are you, what is your job, actually? Like, what is the requirements for your job? Like, what are you supposed to be doing? Are you a peace officer? Maintaining peace? Are you supposed to be like a DMV, like like somebody who makes sure that we're doing everything that is abiding by the DMV auto handbook? Like, <laughs> like what is your job? Like, what is your job exactly? Like, I'm confused because I feel like we keep getting put in these circumstances where they want us to not take things personal and not get emotional. But then they get personal and emotional off of every fucking thing to where they think that they have the right to pull the gun on breath just because he was like, can you hurry up? It's cold. Like, that part made me so angry. Like, but... Yeah, there, there's, there's nothing that I, there's, that's just crazy. Cause I, I would say that old girl, she should have sat down in the car first and then pulled her cell phone out. <laughs> was gonna, we all know that you can't pull something out your goddamn pocket or your purse or anywhere without getting shot at or getting a gun pulled out on you. He already got the gun out. She saw him pull the gun out. She should have got out the car with the phone. Instead of saying, I'm reaching in my pocket to get my cell phone, I'm going to reach down and I'm going to grab my phone. Yeah, he going to shoot you, girl. He going to shoot you, which I'm not saying that it's her fault and she got shot and that was her fault, but it's just. With that being said, there's another question I wanted to bring up about Queen of Slim or just in general. What do you think that we can teach our youth? Because I know that you're a father, right? And mm-hmm. I'm a mother. Mm-hmm. What can we teach our children? ways on how to make you you mean like actual like in regards to cops and stuff in regards to cops yes and in general i mean it doesn't necessarily just have to be with cops but because we're on that movement of cops um yes if my if, if one of our children gets pulled over and they're in the vehicle what is some advice that some lasting advice that we want to be able to give to our children and get to the youth on how to how to how to make it home um i mean when it's at that moment in time then mm-hmm. 
you know, then it's all that stuff that you know, it's all that that the bullshit you got to be be art. I mean, be articulate. Look the person in the eye. Um, see them as a. Be calm. Be calm. That's the biggest thing. Is yeah. You know, no. The biggest thing is is just have self mastery. That's okay. the biggest yeah. thing. So if you, because that's what I've had to do in the situations I've been in in those capacities, I've had to have self mastery, control my breathing, um, think well. So you know, because our minds are powerful, so do my best to think well and to um, stay strategic in my thought, and just and just right. do that. Right, right, right. I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, one thing that we do tell our girls, because we have three beautiful queens um, that we are raising, and we try to let them understand that uh, try your hardest to understand mm-hmm. what the person or the adult is mm-hmm. telling you, because they're children, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So we try to teach them in regards to all adults. In regards to how do you deal with a with an adult that is asking you to do something that you've never talked to ever in your life mm-hmm. and you feel threatened, mm-hmm. what do you do? Mm-hmm. You try to understand what they are saying. You try to comprehend in your mind and think a few steps ahead. You so then they. You remember yeah. when the when the sheriff when they when they when they had the sheriff hostage, the sheriff with the pickup sheriff truck. Hostage. He was a sheriff. Yeah, he was a sheriff. But do you remember how? Oh, yeah, yeah, remember, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. You yeah, remember yeah. how he, um, how he was saying, he was doing the tactics you do when you're held hostage. You humanize the situation. You right. say, "I got a, got a kid. I got a da 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 da." And that's technically right. what we have to do every moment that we're ever pulled over. At least in my opinion, like, so it doesn't hurt to do the smile. It doesn't hurt to to just stay calm. Right. You know, do everything right. you can to just be pleasant. It's and it sucks, but again, like I said, it's a system for now. Um, but I, but I hope that by the time my my son is what sixteen, twenty years from now, um, it'll be different. That's at least what I'm planning on. I I, I definitely agree with what you just said, and I, and I think what you just said was extremely powerful. Was was very 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 powerful in what you just said. So I definitely appreciate that comment. And I wanted to move forward and move on to our image topic and representation while we're on the roll. But before we get there, um, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll get back to the um, to the topic on image and representation in our black community. Stay tuned, guys. All right, guys, and we're back. Thank you guys for staying tuned in. We're going to jump right into the topic of image and representation in the black community. Woo. We've been, we've been on a roll here. Like I've been enjoying the conversation. Like I I love it. Um, (laughs) But one of the main things or main questions that I wanted to ask you just to jump off the conversation. I know everybody has their own definition of image and a representation. I would love for you to give me, in your own words, um, what does image mean to you and what does representation mean to you as a black man? <clears throat> so think of it from the peripherals or from the vision or from the sights of a, um, of a black man. Well, it's, it's important for me as a black man. For me, it is being able to see examples of what I want to be or what I can be before me in my face. 
whether it be TV, whether it be, you know, somebody in real life, um, that is what image and representation is to me. Right. I agree. I, I, I definitely think that um, I, I agree with your definition. And I think image and representation is one of the most important things for our mm-hmm. youth. In, the, in our community, in every community. Mm-hmm. But I can only speak for my community because my community is the, is the community that I impact. And like I said before, we are raising three beautiful black queens and image and representation is so important to them. When I ask them, um, our, our middle child, she's eight years old and she loves animals. Mm-hmm. And we always tell her, her dad always tell her, you have to go to HBCU. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Because not every HBCU has every major mm-hmm. for the things that she's interested in. And she loves animals. And so I, I always tell her, I said, there's a career in, in, in you being able to love animals every single day. If you could love animals all day, every mm-hmm. day, would you want to do that? And she's like, yeah. I was like, well, you could always go to school and be a veterinarian if you wanted to. And you can go to college for that and go to do animal science and be an animal doctor. And you can help take care of animals. And she's like, oh, but are there any, are there any brown people who do mm-hmm. that? And, <laughs> and I have to remind her, yes. And so I, I try to make sure that we, we present to them all images and all representations of the things that they're interested in. And even things that they're not interested mm-hmm. in because they're children and they don't really know everything that they're interested in until, you know, until they're exposed mm-hmm. to it. So we try to keep them involved with, with their history and with the brown people and black people that they are around mm-hmm. or that have set the way or paved the way before mm-hmm. them. So another thing I wanted to get into was just flat out. Have you ever been labeled ghetto or ratchet or a hoodlum? And if so, please bring us in and elaborate on your experience. Hmm. I actually have not been called those things. Okay. But I've not been called those things before. Wow, that is that is extremely interesting to me. <laughs> I I I have I have uh, an experience that I've experienced um, in high mm-hmm. school, um, where I was actually believe it or not, I was bullied in high school mm-hmm. for for a while. I was bullied in middle Same. school, um, yeah, which was unfortunate. And most of the time, I was bullied by people of my same mm-hmm. color. Um, I was my I am of lighter skin. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times it was people of darker skin who didn't like the fact that I was lighter mm. skin. And they assumed that because I'm lighter skinned then therefore I don't like them. So they would be mean to me. Mm. First. Which is just a scare tactic. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? There's a defense mechanism. And I just recall in high school um, because um, unfortunately um, my mom, because I was raised by a single mm-hmm. mom, shout out to my mom. Um, we didn't have the the financial um, stability or ability to put me through college, so I decided that I have to do everything in my power that I can to be able to get me to go to college. Because my mom has no idea how to go to college; she don't know how to get me there. She don't know how to pay for me to get there. So I have to do this 
for myself. And I figured out that if I take AP classes and honors classes, that that gives me a higher GPA, Mm -hmm. which will give me a higher chance of getting into college if I have a better GPA, which is what I figured. So I was taking honors classes and AP classes. And I just remember this one, this one dude who was like one of the top popular kids at my school, the black brown kids. Cause at my school we were segregated, mm-hmm. but it was segregation by mm-hmm. choice. I have no idea why all the Hispanics hung out with the Hispanics, all the blacks hang out with the blacks, mm-hmm. all the, all the um, Asian and Pacific Islanders hung out, hang out together. That was it. No, that you barely saw people intertwining unless they were a part of a clique or a mm-hmm. group, um, such as extracurriculars like football and all those other things. But usually, same race hang out with the same. Well, not race, but same um, ethnicities. And I just remember I was walking to class, and old boy was like. Oh, so you think you better than all of us because you in AP classes and honors classes. You ain't shit. You a traitor. Mm. And he said that right in front of the whole group of of uh, black kids at the mm-hmm. school. And they all start yelling at like yelling and laughing, like saying little things like she thinks she cute, she thinks she all that. Like, you know, she, they would just say little stuff like that. And I was walking by myself. Mm-hmm. It that happened my sophomore year. It must have stuck with me still to this day. Like, it really hurt my feelings that they said mm. that and that they labeled me with these labels to where nobody wanted to hang out with me and nobody wanted to be my friend. Um, and so it was very, it was very hurtful in that moment that it came from my own mm. group. And so that created this malice and this callous towards my own community at the school and I, and I refused to be friends with anybody. Mm -hmm. So when I had that built up anger towards my group, all the other groups looked at me and was like, Oh, she just ratchet and ghetto and Mm -hmm. mean. She just an angry, angry black girl. Like she don't like nobody and don't nobody like her and all this other type Mm -hmm. of stuff. So I would, I got a lot of labels put on my back Mm -hmm. growing up and it was unfortunate. I didn't like it. Yeah. I I mean, I can relate in the sense that, Labels I got were ugly. Mm-hmm. I've gotten that one too. Were, um, that was like middle school, high school, well, middle school, not high school, but middle school. And then I also got um, nigger in high school. Yeah. By a white person on my football team um, who was in the same position as me. Oh, no, a wide receiver. I was a cornerback. So, um, if you understand that dynamic, yeah. Um, oh, I said we both wouldn't have been playing on the team because <laughs> he would have been in the hospital and I would have been kicked off the team. And it's funny because <laughs> part of the reason that I never got labeled ghetto ratchet hoodlum, I think, was I think it was part of the way I was raised to right. be you know, able to exist in those spaces. I think it was like so weird, but it's the truth. And uh, my family, some of my family members, we even talk about it. Um, We know where we came from or whatnot, but like we also see, you know, just like, okay, let's appear this way. Let's talk this way. Let's do this way. So by the time it came to me, um, 
<clears throat> you know, I wasn't allowed to do certain things or, and also my family was kind of nomadic at times, you know, I moved, I lived different places, um, around Milwaukee, around Atlanta and, um, growing up and, uh, so both, both urban and suburban and what it created was, uh, um, yeah, like the tactics, you know what I mean? Like you just, I don't know, like you just, no, I, I definitely understand. You start to, based off of where you're, where you're from, because you gain experience and you, you gain mindset based off of where you're from, the things that you are around and the influences that you mm. have. So you, your family knew the pace that they wanted to set and they set the tone. Mm. And you followed, you know, you followed pursuit and you, 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 you experienced that particular experience, which for me, I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You were raised to, you know what I'm saying, to um, to fit the image, to fit this particular image so that you can pass through, so that you can blend in with the system, so that you can be able to partake in all of the things that everybody else partakes in. You, you articulated pretty well. And I guess it afforded me, you know, to be able to continue to get through. Um, but then the the... the but with the one thing we never lost, my folks and myself, is that we're for our people. Yeah. You know. Right, right, right. Yeah. So. And I, I can definitely appreciate that. I was raised to where it was like, uh, <laughs> I'm more of a, uh, I was spoken. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My mama, my mama didn't teach me. I think I was raised in a sense to where my mom and the people around me didn't tell me I was black. Uh-huh. Nobody told me I was black except for at school. Mm-hmm. I think my mom never really brought up racial issues or anything like that. It was just, you know, the basic things is your hair is different. You have to know how to take care of your hair. You you um, make sure that people are pronouncing your name right. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. That it was just like little basic things. Everything else I had to learn out on the street. Mm-hmm. My mom wasn't pro-black mm. in a sense mm. is, is the word. Um, and so I didn't really grow up with knowing how to be black and how to survive in the world. I had to pick up on the signs mm-hmm. um, just based up because I was very observant as a child. And I was uh, I would um, observe how other black people or black kids were being treated mm-hmm. and how they were treated. Mm-hmm. I remember. So my, my first name is Anthony, but everybody calls me love. Mm-hmm. Because there's a reason why I never let people say my name. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's a reason. My freshman year of high school, I went to a school that was predominantly Asian. And um, I remember I was in choir. And the choir director, there was only two other black kids in the class. It was me and another girl. And she blended in with the crowd. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why nobody really wanted to hang out with me. But. And he asked me to go inside of the the, uh, the choir room and clean up the choir room by myself. Mm. And I was like, why? Like, I'm not about to clean that up. You better ask somebody else to go in there and clean that up because, first of all, it's not my mess. And second of all, I'm not cleaning this up by myself. And I told him that. He was like, okay, so I'm going to send some of the senior guys in there to help you and show you how to do it. I was like, whatever. So mm. he sent some of, the, some of the senior guys in there. And they was all laughing and joking, and I'm trying to clean up or whatever. And the, they was cracking jokes, and I was like, what's so funny? 
And the dude was like, the dude was like, hey, is your name, first of all, he said my name wrong. He was like, is your name Antonique because you black? I was like, what? He was like, you heard me. I was like, first of all, don't say my name because you said it wrong. And second of all, it's not because I'm black, but you're ignorant, so you wouldn't know that. Mm-hmm. And I just walked out the room and I quit the choir class like a few mm-hmm. weeks after that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Because I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. Like, I did not know that that was something that my mom didn't prepare me for that. Nobody mm-hmm. around me prepared me. So ignorant. Didn't know that there was a such thing. That was my moment that really made a big difference for me, and that's why I go by Lala. A lot of people don't know that. Hmm. But I, I, by law, I give nobody the opportunity to mess up my name again and okay. take away my, my the beauty in my name. Don't don't mess up my royalty. And I, I feel like our name, our hair, and our skin is royalty to me. That's what mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and I, I refuse to give people that opportunity. So even people, you'd be surprised people mess up Lala. They'd be like, Layla. <laughs> I'd be like, bruh, y'all just so ignorant. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like I was saying, like, I didn't grow up knowing the, how to play both sides. I had to teach myself and I had to learn that. Um, and it was actually, it was, it was pretty hard. Mm. And there were a lot of moments where I had to force myself to be quiet mm. because uh, in my household, you talk, you talk a lot. You speak and you speak and you speak and you suffer the consequences mm. later. Um, and in the real world, I had to learn that you peep other people's consequences and then you analyze whether or not it's right enough for you, if, if it's best that you speak or don't mm-hmm. speak. And that's what I had mm-hmm. to learn. And so what I wanted to know, which is a very, 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 very serious question, a little touchy, was when was the first time you learned truly about slavery and our ancestors? I know you told me in the past that you did go to school for, for African mm-hmm, history, mm-hmm. right? And um, I know that you're very knowledgeable on the topic. So when when was the first time you learned about it and, and what sparked the interest for you to go to school and actually further your education hmm. on it? I think that it's something I, I've always known about, um, especially because my foundations of living, of being alive were first my great-grandparents, and like I like mm-hmm. I lived around them and then also like went to like some daycares and stuff like that. And I just feel like those first few schools I went to, especially in the city, inner city of Milwaukee, the inner city of Milwaukee is um, they, the statistic is that it's the number one most segregated city in America. So the blacks are like in Milwaukee and then you have Wisconsin and you got all the other spots where there's, you know, we don't have any any place. And um um, so, I mean, I think from early on, I heard about, you know, Dr. King and all these people. So, right. you know, and I knew what they were fighting for. And so I kind of knew where it came from. But, um, there's been times in my life where I was like, damn, when did I, how was this, how do I know this? You know what I mean? Like, how is this? Because right, it's kind of right, like right. crazy. So I've always kind of just had it in my mind. Um, fast forward, um, you know, I got to college and I was considering a few different topics, whether it be English or whether it would be, um, I don't know, religion or what, what, what I would major in. And I just figured 
you know, I just figured that the people I like most, I think, you know what? I got heavy into Tupac in high school. I got heavy into Tupac okay. so much that when I was like 10th grade English class, we had to pick a poet. I wanted to do Tupac and my teacher laughed and said, no, I couldn't. And I was like, so upset because I was like, you don't understand how much of a poet he is. And then, and right. then, no, nah, but the teacher that year was a dope teacher, but she still was like, no. And I was just like, Mm-mm. you know, and so, um, but I did everything I could in high school to do to on projects to like legitimize my people. Like, I think, I think I yeah. did uh, something that related Langston Hughes with uh, Jesus Walks Kanye uh, back then. Yeah. And then I did something with, uh, yeah, did the Tupac. I tried to do the Tupac thing, but I was just heavy into, heavy into that. I think, I think that's how I got through high school. I think that's because it was a predominantly right. white high school in Peachtree City, Georgia. It was, it was a crazy time um, of, of, uh, of being different. You know what I mean? Because like, uh, for me, being able to be in certain spaces is not because when I say my parents taught me, they just taught me how to just not have to. They taught me how to be enough for myself so that I can be anywhere and not feel like I'm out of place, even if I am. So right. even if I am the only one, I don't feel like I'm not valued. I know who I am. You know what I mean? So they they get, they raised me on that. At the same time, though, it was still a crazy time. Like, like it, in high school. So middle school, you know, I was in, where was I in middle school? I was in, I was in other parts of Atlanta with more black people. So... But, you know, but I had different situations where, you know, the girl, some be, or some other guys, you know, they'd be clowning you, calling you ugly. It's just, an, I know now it's kind of like a normal black thing, but back then it was just like hard to deal with. But then you fast forward to high school and now you're at this white school. And so then you're like, I'm starting to feel myself kind of as a kid, you know, 14. But then like, there's only majority white girls here and twofold. Like, I mean, some of them, okay, you're cute. On the other hand, it's like, y'all not. And then on the other hand, it's just like, nobody's checking for me. Like, it's weird because I think you hear often, like, okay, how black men, you know, are like, you know, are like sexualized by white people and white women. But when I was in high school, where I was in high school, it was like, nah, you don't fuck with them black folk. So, but that's girls and guys in terms of those relationships and also friendships. So I just was kind of alone. Like, I didn't really have any, I mean, I have my, I had some black friends. And then that was early it. So I so I'll be so I'll be in these white schools, but I don't know y'all at all. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm not around y'all at all, but I'm around you guys. And so, um, so yeah, that's kind of how it was for the most part. Um, but back, yeah. I think yeah. I think for me, the first time I learned about slavery and about our ancestors was. Um, the first, the first time I had history, which was in, I think in elementary school, I think it was like in Mm -hmm. fifth grade or something like that, fourth grade or something. And we had history class and, um, they were talking about significant Mm -hmm. events and they didn't, they didn't mention Martin Luther King or Harriet Tubman or Rosa Parks or, you know, those are the three main people that they always talk about. They don't talk about any of the, um, you know, Sir mm-hmm. Truth. They barely talk about her. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? They, all these other people that are significant to um, 
history. And I just remember saying, like, um, I, I think it's because I was so observant. I said to her, I said, I said, why do black people only get a paragraph? Mm. And the teacher was like, I didn't write the mm. textbook. And I was like, well, who mm. did? And she was like, the authors are in the front of the book or the back of the book or something like that. And I remember looking and they were all white. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make sense to me. Like, I was one of those children to where if things do not make sense, I'm going to keep asking mm-hmm. questions. Which I'm still like that to this day. Like, if it don't make sense, I'm going to continue to ask questions. And you might get annoyed, but I'm going to continue to ask because it doesn't make any sense. And so I just recall I continued to ask a lot of questions and she sent me out to class. Mm-hmm. And... um I just had to let it go because I knew my mom didn't really know enough about it. And, you know, at the time, we wasn't, like, I think that the internet was was just starting to be something. Like, you know what I'm saying? We had this this big old desktop <laughs> um, little monitor screen at home, and it was huge. This big old box-looking thing, and I was too young to be able to get on it because my mom was just like, no, like, you can't get on this. Like, you know, you're a child. You don't need to be on the internet. So I I, I, I I let it go. But as I got older and I went to another school because and, and, I was raised in okay. Oakland, in Oakland, California. And I went to a middle school off of 98th. And I, we lived like literally almost across the street. It's called Elmhurst. And um, they split the school up into two. There was an Alliance Academy for, you know, um, that was more focused on academics. Mm-hmm. And then there was Elmhurst, which was more focused mm-hmm. on arts. And I wanted to go to Elmhurst because my brother went mm-hmm. to Elmhurst, but my mom put me in Alliance. I have no idea why. And I remember this teacher. I I hope that he's doing very well for himself now. His name was Mr. Mm-hmm. Hilliard. And he was my history teacher. And he taught me everything. Okay. He loved James Brown. And he used to play music all black mm-hmm. artists every day for like 10 to 15 mm-hmm. minutes in the beginning mm-hmm. of the class. He would play music and he taught us everything, everything. And I appreciate that, man. He was a black, he was a black teacher. Mm-hmm. And oh man, he really put me on. And that's what really, really sparked this interest and allowed me to understand that I'm yeah. black. And not only am I black, but I'm important to history. Like, my people are kind of yeah. important. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, like shit, we pretty much created America. Yeah. Like, America wouldn't be the way it is if we didn't put America literally on our back. Literally. Mm-hmm. And make it the way that it is now so that everybody else can be thriving and, and create an economy and be able to do all the things that they can do. Like, it, it just really, it really set that in motion for me. So I I definitely appreciated taking his history class. That, that, that shit was crazy. I, I love that yeah. teacher. Shout out to Mr. Hilliard out there in Oakland, California, man. <laughs> Shoot. Okay. So um, one last question that I wanted to get into before we end today's episode is what is some advice that you have for our feather, our fellow brother and sisters um, on how to beat stereotypes? And if you could list a few stereotypes and and then explain. 
Excuse me. Oh, uh, then explain my advice. Uh, some stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Lazy. Uh, yeah. Um, Damn, now you always want to call. I always want to call us lazy. Loud. Um. Yeah. Ignorant. They always want to say we ain't got no goddamn education. Yeah. Dumb. dumb. That's three. Um. Broke. Broke. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Don't they know black people? We buy. We purchase. Like I think our our percentage is the highest in purchasing, um, like through retail and purchasing. Yeah, like we purchase a lot. We do purchase a lot of shit, but now (laughs) we do. But our net worth is so. But we can change that. So we can change that through financial literacy. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, we there's books to read. We can read more books. Um, I can name drop some. Uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. There are a lot of people listening that would probably love to look up those. Books. As a man thinketh by James Allen. Okay. Read that. It's very, very short, but very, very powerful. As a man thinketh mm-hmm. by James yeah. Allen. Check gotcha. that out. Um, check out the richest man in Babylon. Okay. Um, that's for your. That's for your money. So you. So we can start to. Uh, not just have the most purchasing power and making uh, other people have skyscrapers. Yeah, okay. but we can have our own. So that's that's another one. And then um, right. uh, in terms of combating laziness, I believe that if you, if you spark your mind um, by things such as those, but through things such as those books, that you'll realize that uh, our life is, our life happens based upon the decisions we make and what we do. And when you realize the power that you have because of the fact that we control our ship, that we drive behind the wheel of our life, that then we'll begin to not be lazy because we can't be lazy because we have too many creative and imaginative and powerful dreams. And to manifest them, we have to realize that there's, you know, we have to do it. You know, they say faith without works is dead. And so, therefore, you have to, you have to, right. you have to, you you realize that you, you'll do, you you won't be lazy when you have something to do, when it's something fun, when you realize that you can do something with your life, then yeah, okay, I have something to do. Right. So I would say those things. I would also say um, another stereotype is that we, uh, you know, that we just be having babies, you know, and don't be taken care of them and all that stuff. So I would say. Um, Definitely to gain more emotional intelligence and to be vulnerable with partners and with ourselves. Um, it'll help you to realize the power of a child and the power of a relationship and uh, seek to do that more than just being a Casanova or whatever it is, just um, realizing what it means, what the impact of what we do and the impact of our seed. Mm-hmm. That's a few things. Legacy. Yeah, in fact, the yeah. legacy. Okay, let's see. What are some stereotypes that I definitely um, can attest to? It's loud. Mm. I definitely can attest to loud and, and ignorant. I think that um, a lot of people tend to label us as loud and ignorant because they don't understand our confidence. Mm. They don't understand the 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 trauma from being forced to be quiet for so long that now we have the freedom to speak 
and that our every single word that we speak is important, which is why I have this podcast, because the words that we speak from our mouth, we profess into, into, into real world, into reality. We manifest these things. So one piece of advice that I would say is be mindful of the words that you speak, especially around children. Whatever it is that you say, your, ch- your child will manifest and your child will become that. Don't speak ill around about those that are around you. If it's like I say to my kids, you ain't got nothing nice to say. Don't say nothing at all. It is best for you to keep it to yourself, especially around children. Um, be mindful of the things that you say. Stay confident and stay wise um, in regards to ignorance. They they assume that we are ignorant first before we speak. You don't even have to speak for them to assume that you are ignorant. They will already think that you are ignorant. So when you do open your mouth. Please make sure that it is something that is worth saying and that will convince them. I don't know. You ain't even got to convince them shit, but that will let them know that you are not dumb, that you are not ignorant and that you know what you're talking about and that you don't need their approval for whatever it is that you are speaking of. So I appreciate everybody for listening today. We have one last segment to end things off. Um, So we're going to, do this last little segment it's a segment at the end of the show i like to call sorry not sorry and it's where i make a statement about an unpopular opinion or you can just say a quote um that i think that you guys need to know um and then i end it with sorry not sorry it's all up so for example Mm -hmm. i'll go first um my queens and kings y'all gotta start supporting y'all fellow black Mm. businesses or us as a community, will have no network, and we will go out of business as a community. Sorry, not sorry. It's mm. all love. Okay. And I can go? Yep. Go ahead. Well, my kings and queens, our history has begun at the beginning of time. It begun before anything as a slave ship ever existed. We have been across this whole world for a very long time get to know that I'm sorry not sorry it's all love (laughs) thank you so much for coming and joining us today I know today was so amazing and I know that there are certain parts of the topic that we could talk about for hours you know what I'm saying but I think we did Queen and Slim a justice today I think we did the topic of justice, and I appreciate you coming through, my brother and my king. Thank you so much. Um, please let the people know where they can find you on social media, on um, anywhere. What are what is your Instagram? Well, thank you, Queen Lala. Um, I am available on Instagram at at Jabari Ajao, J A B A R I A J A O. I'm available. At Twitter, if you want it, at Bari Buildings currently, um, B-A-R-I Buildings. I'm available on Bandcamp at thedifferenceclub.bandcamp.com. So the Difference Club. What is Bandcamp? The Bandcamp is a platform for music as well. Um, oh, yeah, wow. it is. So if you go there, thedifferenceclub.bandcamp.com, currently you'll be able to see two two rap songs that I've made, a Solomon the Rapper um they're from a perspective of uh my perspective through the lens of hope those are those two songs wise words and um freedom writers so you could go check that out there um 
If you also go to my Instagram, you can see a link to the last movie I made called Space and Thought. So it's on Vimeo. So, yeah, that's a little bit for me. All right. Well, thank you so much. And like I always say, everybody, I hope you guys have a very blessed and wonderful day. And remember that it's all love. Bye, guys.